I honestly feel like, you know, sometimes if you hear a story so much that you become so familiar with it that you kind of lose sight of the meaning and the message that God is trying to really speak to our hearts. And I get it. I know that we understand that, you know, Jesus came to this earth as a baby and um, that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe should not perish but have eternal life. I understand that. We all understand that. But I also believe that God's trying to say some things to us uh, through the Christmas message that um, just will help us to see really, really a little deeper into the heart of God because I think there are some hidden gems within the event or the people and the places of Christmas that if we'll just spend a little time kind of mining them out, uh, it will help us understand the Christmas story and the message that God is trying to speak to our hearts. For instance, when the um, angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds one night in the field as they were watching over their flocks, it's a familiar story. It's found in Luke's gospel, chapter number two. And uh, I just want to read it to you from the New Living Bible. And it says this, that night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel appeared among them, and the landscape shone bright with the glory of the Lord. And they were badly frightened, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you, catch this, I bring you the most joyful news ever announced. And it is for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? You will find a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth for all those pleasing him. And when the great army of angels had returned again to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come now, let us go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told, which the Lord has told us about. And then they ran to the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And when the angel had said to them about this child, or what the angel had said to them about this child, and all who heard the shepherd's story expressed astonishment. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and often thought about them. Then the shepherds went back again to their fields and flocks, praising God for the visit of the angels. And because they had seen the child just as the angel had told them. I think it, it's odd that when God gets ready to announce the birth of his son, when God gets ready to announce to the world his son has been born, that he announces or makes this announcement to shepherds. And I think this is odd because if you really study first century shepherds, you'll understand that they're really not like the ones that we portray in our Christmas pageants and our Christmas plays. Um, usually we see them as meek, uh, humble, mild-mannered men out here, kind of gentle, just taking care of sheep. But really that's not the case of the first century shepherds. As a matter of fact, it really wasn't a desired occupation. It was really something that 
they kind of just, just because of circumstance and situations, found themselves uh, taking care of sheep. Also, it was a very demanding uh, responsibility. Demanded their time. It demanded uh, uh, a lot of physical labor. So it was very demanding. It was also demeaning. This was not really an occupation that people would seek after. It was not something that was very popular in this day. As a matter of fact, if you were a shepherd, you really had a horrible reputation uh, because most shepherds were considered to be thieves and liars. As a matter of fact, when people found out that um, shepherds were were um, bringing their herds through certain territories, they would make sure that things were locked down. They would make sure that they guarded their possessions because they were known to come into areas and to rob people. They were also known as liars. As a matter of fact, you'll read that according to religious law, shepherds were not allowed to testify in a court case because they weren't considered credible witnesses. So we see that they were untrustworthy. And so I think it's really amazing that God chose to make this kind of an announcement. Remember, he's announcing the birth of his son. I think it's really amazing that God chooses to make this kind of announcement to shepherds, not to Caesar, not to the governor, not to Pilate, not to the priests, not to, not to the powerful elite, but God made this announcement to common, ordinary, everyday people. And more importantly, he made this announcement to shepherds. Now think about this for a moment. Shepherds were not even allowed to testify in a court setting, but yet God chooses shepherds to testify about the birth of his son. And I think what it lets us know is lets us know that the announcement to shepherds is lets us know that there's no place and there's no person that is out of God's reach. I'm going to say that again. There's not a place and there's not a person that's out of God's reach. God chose to share this good news with shepherds. And so we and none of us are so far that we can't be reached by God. None of us are too far gone that we cannot hear and receive the good news. And so, so there are times that we look at people and we think, you know what? That person would never receive this message. Or that person is too far gone to give their life to the Lord. That person, you know, they're too hard. They're too difficult. They'd never, never be able to receive the good news of Jesus being born. You know, um, Peter thought along those lines. And um, one day Peter was, uh, had a vision. It's in Acts chapter 10. And he had a vision and God showed him and he, the sheet came down from heaven. And on this sheet, there were all kinds of unclean animals. And Peter, being a good Jew, uh, knew or would never consider, it wasn't even kosher for him to even think about eating some of the things, the unclean animals that came down that God showed him in this sheet. This happened three times in this vision. And then God spoke to Peter. He said, I want you to arise, and I want you to kill, and I want you to eat. And Peter said, I'd never do that. I'd never eat. I'd never touch anything that's uncommon or unholy or unclean. And this was the message that God spoke back. And I believe it's the same message that God speaks to us today. God told Peter, he said, listen, what I have touched, don't say is unclean. What I have cleansed, don't call it 
unholy. How many of you know that God is able to take the worst thing, the worst person that we could imagine? God's able to touch them. God's able to transform them. God's able to renew them, and God's able to redeem them. And who are we to look at somebody and think that they are not redeemable? Everyone is redeemable, and no one is out of the reach of God. Aren't you thankful for that today? Because when you and I were at our lowest, God reached down and touched us with this amazing message. So the first point that I want to share with you today is simply this. The good news is for all people. The good news is for everybody. The second point that I want to share with you is simply this. Good news produces great faith. Good news produces great faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more the more word we hear, the greater faith we can develop. That's why it's important that we listen. That's why it's important that we read the Bible. Because as we do that, God is building our faith. I want you to look at verse 15 again, because maybe you didn't see it when we read it earlier, but I want you to watch the faith that begins to develop in these shepherds' life. The shepherds said to each other, after they had heard the news, come, let us go to Bethlehem. Let us see this wonderful thing that has, past tense, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Notice they didn't say, hey, let's go, let's see if this thing is true or not. Notice they didn't say, well, you know what? I'm not going to believe this message until I actually see the baby. They said, let us go and see this wonderful thing that the Lord has shared with us, this wonderful thing that has happened. How many of you know good news is for everybody, but how many of you also know not everyone will receive it? Say it again. Good news is for everybody, but not everyone will receive it. And one of the reasons that they don't receive the good news is they don't have the faith to believe the good news. You mean that's it? God sent his son, born of a virgin, that, that God came to this earth in the form of man, took on the form of man? Yeah, and we need to be able to believe that. We need to be able to have the faith to believe that. Because the first step in order for you and I to receive is for us to believe, right? And we have to believe, and we believe by faith. As a matter of fact, you can't get past the first four words of your Bible without having faith. In the beginning, God. That requires faith. And so you can't even start this whole thing without having faith to receive from the Lord. But then there has to be a response to our faith. We respond. The Bible says that they received the news by faith, but they responded by going to Bethlehem, right? So they went to Bethlehem to receive this gift. And so their journey was a geographical journey. But for us, our journey is a spiritual journey because the word Bethlehem means house of bread or house of sustenance. Jesus said this in John 6, 35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. 
Bethlehem, the house of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Watch what he says. He says, he that comes to me. In other words, the announcement is, I'm the bread of life. You have to receive that. But then you have to respond. He said, whoever comes to me. So it's then our responsibility to respond to the message that he has sent to us. He said, he who comes to me will never hunger again. And so in the story, we see that Bethlehem is significant because it says to the hungry, just as in the natural, bread satisfies, bread strengthens us physically. But how many of you know Jesus satisfies? Our strength comes from him spiritually. He is the only one who can satisfy the hunger and the craving and the longing that's in our heart. He's the only one who can do that. This week, I've just felt led to read uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. And I've been reading about the, the wisest man who ever lived, the wealthiest man who ever lived. Uh, we're talking about King Solomon. We're talking about a man who says, whatever my heart desired, I, 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 I had it. He said, there was nothing in this world that I didn't possess. He said, I had fame, I had fortune, I had everything that you could imagine. And he said, but there was still a void in my life. There was still emptiness in my life. He said, as a matter of fact, all of these material things, all of this fame, all of this fortune, he said, when you go to the grave, you're not taking it with you. And he said, we got to the end of his life and the end of, of his thought process, and he said, you know what? The greatest thing that you and I could do is to fear God and to serve him, right? Why? Because he is the only one who, could, who can satisfy that longing and that craving in our lives. You or I or anyone else cannot replace the Bethlehem journey with anything else but Jesus. He's the only one who satisfies. Now, I want you to think about this because just like in the natural, so it is in the spirit. If I was to have a loaf of bread up here, and if I were to take a bite, it may satisfy my hunger, but it's not going to satisfy your hunger, right? You have to taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. That becomes your responsibility. I don't know about you, but have you ever have you ever eaten something or have you ever experienced something that you want to share with someone immediately? Right? Hello? Yes. It's okay to say yes. <laughs> right? I mean, you just take a bite of something, you're like, wow, this thing's amazing. I can't believe how awesome this is. You got to try this. Anybody ever been there, right? Come on, someone, help me out here. You have to try this. Or have you ever gone to a place and you just had a wonderful experience and everything was great and, you know, you got on social media and you started, you started advertising for that place? If you've never gone here, you need to come here. You need to experience this. Well, that leads me to the next point, and that is this. You have to be willing to share with others the great news. Because we all love receiving great news. Anyone love receiving great news, right? Anyone like being called into, into the office and say, hey, guess what? You've done such a great job this year. We're going to give you a huge bonus. God bless you, yeah. right? 
Did anybody see that? Uh, it was on um, it was on YouTube um, where this company, uh, I think it was over $10 million that uh, a profit share that they shared with all of their, it was a real estate company, I think, am I right? Yeah, how many of you know that's good news, right? Some of them received, uh, you know, six figures as a bonus. Now don't sit there and act like, ah, well, whatever. If that was you, how many of you know that's good news, right? That's good news. And so people started sharing that good news because the second best thing outside of hearing good news is what? is sharing it, is sharing that good news. And that's, that's the third point here, and that is sharing the good news brings great joy. As a matter of fact, the angel declared that this is the greatest news that you could ever share. It's the greatest news that you'll ever, ever receive. Unto you, unto me, unto everyone, a Savior has been given. Did you notice in the, in the reading that the Bible said that the shepherds went and they told everyone what had happened to them? They told everyone what they had heard and what they had seen. And I have a question for you. And I told the first service that I really struggled with presenting this question. And the reason that I struggled with presenting this question was because you could take offense to it. Um, it, could, it could almost make you feel uh, condemnation, and that's not my intent. That's not my desire when I'm, with what I'm about to share with you. But the Bible said that they went and they shared and they told everyone what had happened to them. So my question to all of us, my question to all of us is this, have you told anyone what's happened to you? Have you shared the good news about your life, about what Jesus has done for you? Have you shared that with anyone or have you kept that great news, that awesome news to yourself? Because you know what? From this moment on, when the angel appeared to those shepherds, you will not find another place in the Bible where we read about angels appearing to men and making the announcement that a Savior has been born. And you'll never find another place from this point on in the Bible where angels talk about the salvation of people. You know why? because they are not heirs of salvation. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter talks about how they gaze and wonder in amazement about the redemption of man. They marvel at the fact that you and I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus because that's something they will never, ever be able to experience on their own. And so now it becomes our responsibility, not the angel's responsibility. It becomes our responsibility to share the good news, to share the message of hope with everyone and anyone that we find ourselves and our paths crossing. I want you to look at what Jesus told his disciples. I want you to look at it right here. And it says this, Mark chapter 16, and 
Then he told them. Who's them? I just gave you a hint. His disciples. Who and what are disciples? Followers of Christ. Any disciples in the house? Okay, all right. I just set you up. Here we go. And he told them what? You, everyone say me. me. He said, you are to go into all the world and do what? Preach what? The good news. What's the good news? A Savior has been born. Someone might say, you know what? That was for the disciples. No, that's for all believers. And someone said, well, I'm not called to preach. Well, yeah, you are. You may not be on a platform, but preaching is simply proclaiming. And proclaiming is simply proclaiming the good news. And so every believer has been given the charge to go everywhere and to preach the good news to everyone everywhere and to share the good news. How many of you know that it's not good news unless someone shares it? It's not good news unless someone shares it. And I close with this. I know it's a Christmas miracle, but I close with this. The Bible said that they went back to their fields and flocks. And I thought about that. And tomorrow, and maybe even this afternoon or this evening, you're going to go back to your field and you're going to go back to your flocks. Your field is your place of employment. Your field is your school. Your field may be the gym that you work out in. Your field is the place where you cross paths with other people that you're filled. And for many of us, it's the occupation in which we have. You're going to go back to your field, and your flock is going to be waiting for you. The people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the people that you work out with, the people that you interact with, your flock is going to be waiting for you. And my question to all of us, especially this time of the year, my question to all of us is what are we going to share? What are we going to say? Because you know what? It really would be a shame that we go back to the fields in which God has called us to and we not mention one thing to the flock that God has given us charge over about what Jesus has done for us and how he's changed our life. And I'm not saying this to beat anyone up, and I'm not saying to take your family Bible, you know the Bible that you leave on the coffee table that weighs about 25 pounds, you remember that Bible? I'm not saying you take that and, you know, you thump someone over the head with it. And I'm not talking about, you know, jamming something down someone's throat. But here's what I know about God. I know that God gives us divine opportunities. I know that there's going to be a time, I guarantee you, this week, that God's going to give you an opportunity to share good news. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, we really should be praying 
God, I pray today that you give me divine opportunities, divine connections, so that I can share the good news. It's as simple as this. It's as simple as saying, you know what, this is what God's done for me. This is what, how God turned my life around. This is where I was at. This is where I, what I was doing. But I found myself void and empty. And when I heard the message and when I received the message, all of my problems didn't go away. But I had hope. And there was strength that was coming from another world. And that longing and that desire that I could not find fulfillment in any other thing, I now am satisfied because he really is all that I need. Don't you believe that this morning? Would you stand with me then? And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the good news with you. I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you this week. How many of you know if we could take a picture of what we're eating for lunch or dinner and share it on social media? Then surely we could tell somebody our story or share a moment of that day or maybe a scripture or maybe a song that you're hanging on to right now or maybe just a phrase that's getting you through the day. You know, this morning... When I woke up, this thought came to me, God, you've been really good to me. I woke up in a warm house. I went downstairs. I had electricity. I had coffee. I had a Bible that I could open. I had peace, and it just, the thought came to me, God, you've been really, really good to me. And I want people to know that. And so I just took a second and I said, God's been really, really good to me. I'm just letting people know he's a good God. And you're not too far away from him that he can't reach down and save you. And you're not, your reputation of your past cannot hinder you from being used today and tomorrow. If God could use shepherds with their past and their story, God could use us, right? So I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Share your faith. Witness to somebody. Invite someone to this, our joy to the world. How many of you know there's still joy? I said, there's still joy in serving the Lord. There is, there really is. And I'm going to share that message on the 22nd. You know, people will come more at this time to church than any other time. Bring them to our communion and Christmas Eve service. Invite them and bring them. 
Because you never know what God's going to do in their heart when they get in an atmosphere maybe like this. You never know how God is going to maybe just continue to water the seed that you planted in their life. Because the Bible says that some plant and some water, but God gives the increase. God gives the increase. You have a story. It's a wonderful story. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Don't be ashamed to share it. Can we do that as a church this week and going forward? Can